I have a USC recruiting newsflash. The Trojans are killing it. You are Locked On Trojans, your daily podcast on the USC Trojans. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Fight on, everyone. I'm your host, Mark Culkin, and thank you for making Locked On USC your first listen every day. Whether you like to watch on YouTube or wherever you like to download your podcast, we are always free. And I want to thank everyone who's coming along for the ride. I hope you're enjoying the show. If you haven't done it already and you're watching on YouTube, hit that red subscribe button. It really means a lot. And to those of you who already have, thank you. All right, and as you know, you can always follow me at Twitter at Mark Culkin, M-A-R-C-K-U-L-K-I-N. So everyone considers USC a football school. Well, they're not just a football school, okay? They do really well in other sports. Um, They've got a prolific track program, men's and women's. Once upon a time, they uh, they still hold the most national championships in baseball, but uh, that program has kind of dropped off recently. Nevertheless, uh, USC, they are known as a football school, but they shouldn't be. Uh, sure, their football program has 11 national championships, seven Heisman Trophy winners, and probably more accolades than you can shake a stick at. By the way, I looked it up. I want to know where that saying came from. It has to do with sheep, sheep herders. Too many sheep to shake their uh, sticks at. So there you go, if you were ever wondering. I was. Um, but while you you see a lot of USC football, excuse me, got a crosstown showdown on my mind, on the brain. Um, while USC football has, their football recruiting has always been their bread and butter. It's what they're known for. Um, on back-to-back days, USC hoops, men's and women's, uh, pulled in or got received a commitment from the number one player in the country for both men and women. On Tuesday, the women of Troy received a commitment from Juju Watkins. Uh, Juju, she uh, she chose the Trojans over the defending national champion, University of South Carolina, the other USC, and Stanford, who uh, annually is in the women's final four, it seems like. Uh, Tara Vanderveer has done a tremendous job up there on the farm with the women's program. Well, believe it or not, uh, once upon a time, the women of Troy, they actually, they owned women's hoops. You don't believe me? Go look up the names of Lisa Leslie, Cheryl Miller, Tina Thompson, the McGee sisters. Uh, I'm not going to spend a lot of time here. USC Women's Hoops is on the rebound with with their uh, new coach. So um, hopefully the program can uh, get back to those years where uh, they kind of set the standard. They, They... USC Women's Hoops has a rich history and tradition if you go back uh, into the 80s and 90s, uh, more so actually than the men's program. But on the men's program, because uh, I mentioned on back-to-back days, on Wednesday, the number one player 
in men's hoops in the country. Isaiah Collier, he chose USC over programs such as Michigan, Cincinnati, and UCLA. Um, the five-star from uh, Wheeler High School in Marietta, Georgia. Um, it's a big pickup for USC. Huge. Uh, USC has needed a point guard for the longest of times. I mean, Andy Enfield and his staff have had a, a lot of success um, in the recent past with big men. You know, I can bring you bring up the names Evan and Isaiah Mobley, uh, Onyeka Okongwu, Shemezi Metu, and hopefully uh, Vince Uwuchukwu um, is going to be medically cleared here soon. I, I know in early October, uh, Coach Enfield had a uh, positive uh, outlook. Hopefully, uh, he'll be ready to play. If not this year, which is highly doubtful, um, he'll be able to stick around next year and start taking some passes from the true point guard, Isaiah Collier. Big things could happen there. Um, and so where Andy and his staff had done really well recruiting, you know, those names that I just mentioned, those big guys, he now has his first real, true, big-time point guard. Um, and he's a game-changer. Uh, you know, point guards, they have the ball in their hand pretty much every possession. And uh, Collier can be what Jordan McLaughlin was when he left USC. Just a pure, true point guard. Um who can control the game. And when you get to the tournament, that's what you need. That's what USC lacked last year and the year before. Um, it, when you get to tournament time, it, it's all about the guard play. You can have an Evan Mobley, but somebody's got to get him the ball. The unicorn can bring the, the ball up the court, but you, you can't have him do that every time. So, you know, since uh, Enfield took over USC in 2013, um, he has now secured five commitments from five five-star recruits. And that from 2017, 2018, 2019, 2020, and now in 2022. Uh, obviously the last two being Evan Mobley and now Isaiah Collier. So that's huge for USC hoops, both programs, but you know, no offense. I focus on the men's teams. Um, I'm sure Lindsay will have uh, the women's program popping here sooner than later, but you got the number one player in the country coming. So more will follow. Um, you know, Isaiah Collier has now given the men's program a top 10 recruiting class uh, in back-to-back -back years. And he joins the four stars, Arrington Page, who by the way is uh, his teammate in high school and Silas Demery, who, uh, who joined the program earlier in October. So, um, as you can see, USC has some national appeal with the basketball program. I just mentioned Paige, also from Georgia, Demery from North Carolina. Um, the, the reason why, you know, the USC Hoops programs are able to pull these kinds of recruits is because of the work they're doing on the court. And Enfield and the staff have, you know, what they're doing on the court is, is self-evident. You know, USC is a, a, a tournament team every year. They're, they win over 20, 22, 24 games a year. Uh, that catches the eyes of the recruits. And when you see the development and players are getting to the NBA, that says it all. Well, look, 
So what the staff has done on the basketball side, I'm segueing here to football right now. I know you guys, a lot of you guys are like, get over it, get on to football. I'm almost there. Um, look, team is different this year. They improved a 2-1-1 with their win over Vermont last night. Um, but the same thing is happening with football. Before USC got to 9-1, and one, you know they already had Malachi Nelson on board. They already had Zachariah Branch on board. They already had Tackett Curtis and Makai Lemon. Okay, well, those are five-star or should be five-star uh, recruits. Like I mentioned, those guys jumped on the Trojan train before USC had achieved this 9-1 and one record. Uh, well, guess what's going to happen? when USC beats UCLA and then gets to the conference championship game. Yeah. Uh, This is what I was referring to on yesterday's Locked on USC episode. When I said it's better when USC is better and UCLA sucks. When USC is winning in football, it's hard for them to control the amount of recruits who want to come to play for, for USC. There's only so many spots available. Well, Lincoln Riley's got things working early and fast. People want to flash back to how Pete Carroll had it going. Um, it, you've heard the saying, you don't rebuild, you reload. That's what USC was doing. They weren't recruiting. They were selecting. And there is a difference. When you have players lined up, you can't take everybody, so you select the ones you want. Now you have the transfer portal as well. So um, there's also, hey, because of what's going on with USC this year, uh, you know, there's some portal and decommitment rumors floating around. You know, obviously the uh, USC doing does very well with wide receivers. So very young group there. One of USC's commitments, Jacoby Lane, is rumored to be decommitting. At the same time, uh, the speedster Xavier Worthy from Texas is being rumored to being exploring the transfer portal. Uh, yeah, USC would be a nice landing spot for for Worthy. They could use his speed. So um, USC winning and recruiting in basketball—it's uh, been a slow burn, and it's finally caught fire these last you know five seven years. Uh, especially since Enfield's been here. But these last five to seven years, uh, it's really taking off. Trojan football, they're recruiting. As long as they have that constant energy source where, you know, they're they're trending up, uh, recruiting will always overflow. Lincoln Riley right now is that energy source. (laughs) Um, So a win on Saturday will be the perfect way to uh, rub the basketball school across town. I refer to them as uh, the Sow, that school out west, because they're west of USC. Um, kind of rub their nose in the dirt a little bit following Collier's commitment. So USC wins in football on Saturday. They've got the number one women's recruit, Juju Watkins in women's basketball, number one men's recruit in basketball in Isaiah Collier, who UCLA wanted desperately. Um, look, it's... It's the perfect way to just kind of get all yoked, bulked up, rocked up. It's uh, it's like stealing someone's girlfriend, you know, or taking eugenics. It comes naturally when you're a USC Trojan. 
And on that note, uh, <laughs> I want to talk to you a little bit about nugenics. When you get older, your body changes. Maybe you get a little bit of that dad bod. Yeah, well, I don't have any kids, but I got dad bod. Uh, you feel a little bit less like your old self. You don't have time to work out, but you wanted, you know, you wanted that energy that your body wants produced. Well, guess what? You can discover eugenics, and you will feel revived working out like you used to. Um, remember when you were younger, you, you were at your peak of your testosterone production? Yeah, well, what some have called the winner's hormone or the man hormone, would it be nice to get that winner's edge again and that old swagger in your step? Well, we want more energy to counter the negative physical effects of aging. Eugenics Total T Testosterone Booster with Testafin will help you turn back the clock, re-energize your workouts, get you better results at the gym, and help you look and feel like the man you want to be. All right? So, Eugenics Total T contains man-boosting ingredients like Testafin. It has been validated in five clinical studies shown to boost free testosterone levels in men. Because Eugenics Total T boosts that free testosterone the aging uh, that the aging process robs you of, you feel stronger, leaner with more energy drive, and more passion too, so your partner will notice the difference. So with every product um, that professes many other products use generic ingredients that are often far less than clinical grade, with Nugenics Total T, you get the same clinical potency levels used in the trials, and Nugenics formulation is backed by 10 years of science and research. So now you can get a complimentary bottle of Nugenics Total T when you text COLLEGE to 231-231, text and get a bottle of Nugenics Thermo, their most powerful fat incinerator ever with key ingredients to help you get back into fat shape, absolutely free. So again, text college to 231-231. Text college to 231-231. Texting enrolls you in recurring automated text messages. Consent not required to purchase. Message and data rates apply. So go ahead and get a complimentary bottle of Nugenics Total Tea when you text college to 231-231. All right, that's a mouthful there, but I think you will enjoy eugenics. All right, I also want to thank everyone for making Locked On USC your first listen uh, today. For your second listen, go check out Locked On Sports today. From the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports, go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with your local experts and insights only Locked On can provide. Locked on Sports Today, available on this app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcast. So, the Crossdown Showdown by the Numbers, segment two. We're going to talk about uh, USC, UCLA, we'll flashback to last year's game as well. This, this year will be the 92nd edition of the Crosstown Showdown. And it's going to be... Uh, it's going to be live on Fox, nationally televised, 5 p.m. West Coast, 8 p.m. on the East. So uh, you guys out there, you can stay awake. You don't have to wait up till 2.30 in the morning for the ending. You'll get to bed relatively early, hopefully. Um, 
By the way, Bruin fans, you've only won six of these last of the last twenty three meetings in this series, okay? Um, and uh, the Trojans they were they were actually victorious the last time these you got USC and UCLA met in the Rose Bowl. Just want a little reminder there. Uh, however, ironically, this is a little kudos to a Bruin fan. Uh, the Trojans, they've only won 48% of the time when both USC and UCLA uh, are ranked. Uh, USC is just 12, 13, and 1 in the matchup when they're both ranked in the AP poll. Now, personally, this is just my opinion, I think this game means more to UCLA than it does to USC because there's really no other excuse for, for that, uh, that stat. Now, um, and the reason why I say I think the game means more to UCLA than USC, USC's real, true first rival is Notre Dame. Um, and some people will say that uh, Stanford's second in line and then UCLA. So just to throw a little, uh, throw that out there, because that is a stat that USC fans need to accept when both teams are ranked. USC is one game under 500. I'm not sure, but there it is. Uh, however, overall, USC leads the series 51 to 33 with seven ties. Um, I mentioned UCLA has only won six times in the last 23, going back to 1999. That's when uh, I think UCLA moved over to the Rose Bowl. Uh, in games against UCLA at the Rose Bowl, USC is 9-11, and um, but they have won six of the last 10 out there, so it's a good trend. Uh, in last season's crap game at the Coliseum, these numbers are hard to accept, but got to go over them. Uh, UCLA quarterback DTR, Dorian Thompson-Robinson, he threw a couple of touchdown passes to Kyle Phillips, and a couple more to Kaz Allen, who also added a 1,000-yard uh, kickoff return. And if that wasn't enough for DTR, <laughs> he ran for a couple of scores. Um, and the final score in that game was, again, 62-33. to 33. That was in front of uh, 68,000 fans, allegedly, at the Coliseum. That was the most points ever scored by UCLA in this uh, series. And it tied the most points that's ever been scored against USC by any team. So um, that's why last year's game sucked. I, uh, look, it will go down as a game that USC will have to, uh, they're going to have to wear that one. You never want to wear that type of loss to one of your rivals. Um, UCLA, they also piled up almost, I, I think it was 609, 610 yards of offense. That was also the most allowed by USC since uh, 2013 when they gave up 612 to Arizona State. <clears throat> yeah, that wasn't a good year. Uh, and what's so weird about last year's game is USC actually had a chance to uh, take control of that game early. Uh, when they had the ball to start the game, they drove down to UCLA's 12-yard line, 
but they uh, they had to settle for a field goal. I think it was a third, 29, 30, 30 yarder from Alex Stadhouse. And this is really weird. I'm not quite sure why DTR is popping off as much as he has been already. I mean, maybe he has, maybe he forgot. But last year, you know, USC picked him off his first two passes of the game. So, um, however, USC only gained like five yards on both of those possessions total. Um, so there was really, they weren't hurt. In other words, UCLA DTR wasn't hurt by those, uh, those interceptions. Um, after first quarter, USC led 10 to seven. Um, and they trailed 28 to 17 at halftime. And I think that's when the wheels just completely fell off the bus. It was just a bad second half. They were outscored 34 to 16. That it also included that, uh, 100-yard kickoff for special return uh, from Kaz Allen. Um, it was a rough game to watch. As a fan, they got to get up and leave. Had I been attending the game as a fan and not a member of the media who had to sit there in that press box and endure it and bite his lip and suck the blood and down his throat because you didn't want to wipe it all over your sleeves, I had to sit there and endure that game. And I'm sure a lot of you endured the whole thing as well. I'm proud of you. As a fan, I would have left that stadium um, because it was embarrassing. So uh, I kind of have a sixth sense about these things. Um, This year is not going to turn out the same way. Even if USC should happen to lose, it is not going to be Anything like last year's uh, debacle. Not going to be anything close. You can bet on that. And then you can, uh, in fact, you can bet the house. And then you can head on over to betonline.net because they are your number one source for your betting info, stats, news, and analysis. You're going to get the latest odds and trends from every professional and amateur league out there, from football to basketball to soccer and esports. We've got it all at betonline.net. Oh, by the way, the World Cup starts this weekend. For all of you uh, football fans, F-U-T-B-O-L. So, um, and if you love sports podcasts, if you're listening, watching this, you can find all those over there at BetOnline as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, so I want to pose this question before we get out of here on this episode of Locked On USC. In the unfortunate event that USC should lose on Saturday, um, I'm making the claim, it's not really, maybe it's a rhetorical question. Agree or disagree? Yay or nay? If USC loses it will ruin their season. I am of the opinion, yes, it will. And let me tell you why. Even if USC was to bounce back the following week and beat Notre Dame, um, it will still have meant USC lost two in a row to UCLA. 
Um, and it will also mean they no longer control their own destiny getting to uh, Las Vegas in that conference championship game. They'll need a little bit of help. And even if they still get that help and get to Las Vegas, uh, the loss to UCLA is still going to make the 22 season taste bad. The way it is. I Look, like I said, 10 and 2, it looks great. You just don't want that second loss to be to UCLA. I would, you don't want it to be to anybody, but if you have to choose, you would, I would prefer Notre Dame knocking USC out of the playoff hunt than UCLA. That's just me. I mean, it would just, it would have that same stink, that same taste that 2006, that 2006 had, um, 13 to 9. You just don't want UCLA being the team to take USC out, you know, being so close to that prize only to have, you know, guys who wear pastel blue stealing something from you. You, you can't have that. Like I said, I'd, I'd rather have Notre Dame steal USC's lucky charms. I respect Notre Dame football. Um, UCLA, not so much. Just, it's, it's personal with me. Uh, I touched on it. Before, I'm not going to go into again, but we are going to end the show on a positive note. Um, because when USC beats UCLA on Saturday, um, and when they're they have a large enough lead, you know, hopefully Miller Moss will be uh, in the game and taking the victory formation. That way, Caleb can be signing autographs, apparel autographs, hats, footballs. Um, while the game is still going on before it's over, kind of like what DTR was doing last year. Um, and there'll be more fans there as well with USC. Yeah, US, UCLA is making the claim, get this out of the way, that uh, the game is sold out. Now, the Rose Bowl seats holds 90,000 capacity. I know USC fans are going to be there in mass. Um, and there would be more. Uh, than uh, the 74,000, I think, or whatever the, the official number is uh, that UCLA is claiming is sold out. Um, there would be more USC fans there if 20,000 seats weren't being covered up by a tarp in the end zones, upper levels. So, and that's usually where USC fans are uh, relegated, in the end zones, from top to bottom. They're going to be spread out throughout the Rose Bowl now low, in the lower levels. So um, it'll be interesting to see of the seventy to 74,000 that will be in attendance, how many will be wearing Cardinal as opposed to pastel baby blue. That is one of the cool features of this rivalry, of this crosstown showdown. And it's actually something I wish USC and Notre Dame would replicate as well. But when USC and UCLA play each other, they both wear their home jerseys. And I think it's fantastic. Um, both teams, agree, both schools agree to do it. In the past, uh, USC would lose a timeout. And if the, wherever the game was played, the other team would then just take a timeout so it would even things out. Stupid rule, but the Pac-12 amended it. As long as both teams agree, nobody loses a timeout anymore. So now the only... Uh, the only thing is, will the uh, USC Trojan Warrior from the Spirit of Troy band stab the field? It's a whole other uh, thing that's going on here with the rivalry. 
We'll see if UCLA throws somebody out there to prevent that from happening. Happened in the past. That's what makes this rivalry so much fun. And it's even more fun when USC is winning. I anticipate USC winning this game by a couple of touchdowns. I'm going to say, uh, I, I do think it's going to be a relatively high-scoring game. So I'm going to go 52 to 38, 37, somewhere in there. Figure it out. USC is going to win. That's all that matters. All right. I'll be back with another episode of Locked on USC because we come at you five times a week. Get on over there to wersc.com. Check it out. A lot of good content. But until our next episode, Trojan fans, you know what to do.